Welcome, one and all. This is For Film's Sake. I'm Chris, and I am joined once again by my two movie chums, Irv and Joel. What's happening, fellas? What's up? Everything's good um, here, you know. Um, we are... Uh, I'm kind of excited to have this second um, podcast. I, I really want to want to talk a little bit about movies and uh so pretty cool here how about you joel well i'm here in my eternal state of anxiousness <laughs> <laughs> be, be, been doing a lot lately so that's why it's not because of the podcast but the podcast is a relief time so I, i'm gonna use it uh, uh successfully for that well gee if i didn't know any better i would have said that your anxiousness is caused by award season Oh, you have no idea. That's... We shall talk about that later. But now um, we got a good first segment for everybody here. We decided to do kind of a little curious thing. So um, each of us took the years that we were born and we decided to each watch one movie from that year. The trick, we didn't see the movie from the year each of us were born. We assigned each other different years. So I, for example, I got Joel's birth year, which is, I'm sorry, dude, is 1994. So that's the example. And then the other two got uh, different years. So who wants to begin? Well, last time was Joel. So I think it will be fair for us to start with 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 me. <laughs> okay. And and also I'm I'm excited to talk about this movie because I kept it in the blind spot for so long and uh okay. and i think it's pretty cool so tell the people what year you got i got 1987 oh yeah who was, to... <laughs> yeah who was born that year it happens to be your year yes. that you were born man that is my year i am a 1987 baby i gotta say that in 1987 there were a lot of pretty good movies um uh, that i that i can certainly recall um, and I think that the 80s were a very particular era in movies. Right. So um, I will, I chose one that I have been very tempted to watch just because of all the buzz that it created uh, around that year. And specifically, this is a movie uh, that had six Academy Award nominations. And I'm talking oh. about Fatal Attraction Ooh. with Michael Douglas Ooh. and our beloved non-Oscar or non-Academy Award winner. Glenn Close <laughs> and the uh, ultimate cautionary was, tale yes and uh this was one of the years in which she lost the academy award uh for best actress by the way so right. this movie <laughs> there's a lot to, to, <laughs> there's to a lot to unpack. here there's a lot I had a lot to 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 think of and and process specifically with with you know the how were the times uh back then I think that the tone of the movie since the get-go, since it started, you knew kind of where this was going. And I think that that is uh, thanks to Adrian Lyne. Adrian Lyne has been a director who has been known for uh, directing like this, um, I will say psychological thrillers at, sure. at some point, but has some, uh, I will say controversy there. And I'm not gonna talk a lot about it, but if you guys remember um, a movie called um, Faithful with Diane Lane. I, I do Drew. remember that one. 
he was the director of that movie. Right. And he also directed a very good movie that at that time it was super popular in 1993, Indecent Proposal with Demi Moore, right. Robert Ripper, and Woody Harrelson. So he has been known for covering a lot of probably like controversial topics and specifically in a having movies that has a lot of I will say that um, sexual content, <laughs> and this is not the exception. Um, I think that it is a very, it's a very good, I would say entertaining thriller. And Michael Douglas, it's very charismatic as we all know. And, and Glenn Close is the one who I think that in this role, she gave it all. And I'm saying barely everything, like she gave it all. And and I think that there was nothing that she left on screen in this. Yeah, role. basically, basically, uh, Glenn Close as long a career as she's had. Uh, ultimately, her legacy is uh, tied to that role in um, yeah. Fatal Attraction, which so. which is interesting because that was a role that uh, came prior Dangerous Liaisons, I think it's the, the name of this movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and John Malkovich, in which she plays a very different role, which I think that around that time, you started to see how versatile she she was um, as, a, as an actress. But my goodness, this one, <laughs> there are a lot of tropes here. There are a lot of um, things in, in the movie, part of the characteristic of this uh, character or this role that she's playing that it can be laughable at times and it right. is part of the script and what i'm the reason why i'm bringing this up is because it's part of the script it is not part of her performance she sure. literally gave it all uh to the mm -hmm. point that there were moments in which uh, glenn close have always had this incredible ability for me for me for urban to this stare while i'm watching a movie she has to stare that it's a little bit unsettling. And, <laughs> and, and, and in this movie, she has so many scenes in which you knew what she was going through. But my goodness, it was unsettling to the point that you, you, you could feel a little bit disturbed <laughs> by it. Wow. So, so I'm going to just say that the movie is about this uh, married guy who has a beautiful family he's a lawyer and one weekend he is by himself and he has an affair with this woman who happens to be Glenn Close and she literally gets obsessed with him um, and uh, that's it if I say anything else I would be ruining anybody's experience in rewatching or watching this movie well watching this movie for the first time yeah, one would think that uh, the statute of limitations uh, would end, which was, you know, 34 years ago, I guess. Uh, I think if Glenn Close heard your uh, very endorsing uh, <laughs> review of her performance, she would say you're a good Terminator. <laughs> I, there's a scene in which they're having, obviously, sex. And I will certainly say that 30 something years um, ago, Adrian Lyne directed one of the most raw, realistic sex scenes that I have ever seen. And, and this is on par with things that we have seen on HBO Max, sure. things that we have seen in other movies. And the way that it is shot, 
it gives so much realism to to that scene and <laughs> and it is kind of funny because at time at times you're reacting like oh okay they went there <laughs> okay <laughs> but it is so incredibly well made okay so now we might have lost some of the audience because they're rushing to youtube loop to look for that scene <laughs> <laughs> it involves a kitchen <laughs> So with that being said, let's go to our buddy, Joel, who, whose arm is about to fall off for how hard he's raising it to be able to talk. So <laughs> lay it on us. Well, my film uh, was a film of 1982 because that was the year that Irving was born. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so without yeah. further ado, the film that I watched, Chris, was 1982's. John Carpenter's The Thing. Ooh. Love yeah, that. I know. Ooh, a sci-fi classic. Sci-fi yes. horror, horror classic. classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you this tell. film, yeah. This film was released in uh, the summer of 1982. So what do you <laughs> like about it? Well, this is one of my favorite horror films of all time. It is not my favorite, though. My favorite is still the, uh, Alien uh, of 1979 by Ridley Scott, precisely. Um, uh, be, uh, with the years that have passed, uh, this film, The Thing, which is a remake, by the way, of a, of a 1951 film called The Thing from Another World. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, this film has begun uh, getting followers uh, throughout the years, especially because it's not only because it's it's a great film it's a great horror film it also because you know it has a lot of great technical aspects towards it it has a great musical score it has a great cinematography and direction but above all it has great visual uh, practical effects yeah it's amazing i i certainly and i'm sorry that i'm interrupting you joe but no worries it has to be a highlight of that movie it's amazing Yes, especially it considering is. that it's pre the CGI era, you know, but before that was a decade before uh, Jurassic Park came into the fold to do some of those computer generated effects that, you know, would capture all of us. So a decade before that, you know, that sort of technology, you know, the success with practical effects do you think it translates to this day still? Oh, for sure. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's like 1968, 2001 Space Odyssey, which, you know, was made a very long time ago and the, the effects still stand. Uh, and and these uh, practical effects are are so good. You know, it's it's uh, the, the, the main artist involved in this practical effects thing is of you know American uh, American Werewolf in London thing and other movies you know, you know who is Rick uh, Baker right Rick Baker right yeah I he, forgot he, he <laughs> I forgot the first a, thing <laughs> he he even has a, a credit um, credit for movies uh, for makeup for movies of um, uh, I saw not that long ago Coming to America the first yeah. film mm -hmm. uh, it's amazing his filmography is amazing like the the collaborations oh my goodness it's amazing. Probably the most famous stuff that people know about Rick Baker is the the video about Mike about uh, some singer named Michael Jackson that uh, made oh, a video thr called Thriller. Uh, the werewolf mm -hmm. makeup it's made by him. 
So, yeah, well, yeah. one can see the sort of influences <laughs> later on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So another thing I want to uh, emphasize about this film is the not only the technical the technical aspects, but the story aspects. Uh, the original one, the one made in made in 1951, uh, has an allegory to uh, to communism. You know that communism was a big thing back then, and right. the Cold War and everything, Russians versus Americans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, this one doesn't have that much of a commentary of you know persecution of other people with other beliefs but it has a great commentary on paranoia and trust in people hmm. uh, yeah. because you know that the thing the, the the movie evolves around uh this alien that invades the station and but this alien takes the form of the or the person of the or the or the creature that he inhabits so you don't know if you're with the with the with the thing or not because it can it it can transform to other person you trust. So I think yes, this is probably the 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 thing and no pun intended with that <laughs> that makes the movie so so horrifying because you, how do you trust someone if you don't know you can trust him? Uh, and I say him because the cast is all male, so that's why. Mm. Uh, and that's I think if, if the movie is remade someday, which I, which I suppose will happen eventually. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the aspects that can improve is is the cast. Uh, it should be more more varied, uh, more more women, more LGBTIQ plus uh, members or minorities members. Even though uh, this cast is pretty balanced in the minority aspects, but. But it still can improve in that in the in that area. So yeah, it's very good. It's very well made, and I think this is John Carpenter's best film. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. How how am I gonna follow this? I mean, how am I gonna follow two classics, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with a sports movie. <laughs> Apparently, Irving was paying attention in the pre-show meeting. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I decided to go a little more low-key for my choice because I wanted to challenge myself and pick a movie that I haven't seen. And 1994 is very easy to pick a good film from that year. You could, I could have gone anyway, but I decided to go uh, lower scale and I saw uh, a movie called Above the Rim, directed by Jeff Pollock, starring Tupac Shakur and... Um, many other terrific actors. Um, this movie is uh, directed, I mentioned, by Jeff Pollock and produced by Benny Medina. You sort of recognize those names. Those are the minds behind uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And that was 1994. So it was at the height of the popularity of that show. They took themselves to the side and made that movie. Um, it's a movie about a young basketball star uh, about to attend college and trying to, uh, you know, play college ball, make decisions for himself, for his benefit. And then he finds himself risking it all for fame, power, fortune, what have you. It's a pretty interesting balance between a main character and a secondary character, if you will, trying to get away and redeem himself from his past. Uh, I'm totally cryptic about it because you know it's, it, 
it's it's good enough that I would say I would tell people to watch it. It's a really cool movie with a lot of really good actors that we all know and seen in so many different things. Um, obviously, we all recognize Tupac, one of the other main actors uh, by the name of Leon. I know him from the series Oz. And then you see Wood Harris, who's been in a lot of movies himself. Uh, I think he's most notably remembered for uh, Remember the Titans. Um, let's see what other actor. Bernie Mac makes an appearance in that movie. And he has a short screen time. But if you remember Bernie Mac, he would always steal the show. And of course, he did in this one. His character was uh, a pretty good character. I really enjoyed it. It's... It's lower scale in terms of a basketball movie because in that same year, uh, Blue Chips came out. Blue Chips has a little more uh, recognition because Nick Nolte, being Nick Nolte, and uh, Shaquille O'Neal and all those great basketball stars that they used in that film. A few years later, of course, uh, Denzel Washington starred in Spike Lee's He Got Game. And there was the great documentary, uh, Hoop Dreams, so Above the Rim kind of falls beneath some of those, but it stands out on its own. It's a very, it's, it's pretty unique. It's not uh, so typical. Some of the writing is a little strange because, you know, it'll be, it'll fall into the typical sometimes, but I, I would recommend it. So uh, that is my 1994 pick. So that needs to be watched by this guy here. <laughs> Because I, I I don't remember watching it, and I do remember the posters, and and I do remember the trailer. And and Leon, the guy that you mentioned um, as part of the cast, I've seen him. Uh, I remember him uh, immediately because I have seen him in in two movies prior to that one. I think, yeah. Um, and one of them was Cool Runnings, which is right. a very popular uh, movie, and also a another blockbuster star, staring staring um, Sylvester Stallone called Cliffhanger. He was one of these henchmen, uh, John Lithgow's henchmen, and he has a very popular, um, famous scene in that, um, in that <laughs> movie. But, but I do remember <laughs> that, and, and I do remember that this role was a little bit more like a, he's more like a protagonist instead sure. of like just a supporting. So those are our movies, 1987's Fatal Attraction, 1982's The Thing, and 1994's on a more lower scale, Above the Rim. So there you go. Three more for y'all to add on your watch lists. So let's take a quick break and we shall return. Welcome back. So uh, we're going to take the uh, next few little minutes that we have, and we're going to uh, just have a general talk about award season. Uh, everybody's like uh, checking that out without giving too much uh, details and stuff. Uh, this award season is pretty unpredictable, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. It's a crazy year. 
<laughs> and I love it. Let me just say, I love it. I don't have anything else to say that I'd love to, that this season has been unpredictable in so many um, categories, and I really love it. You know, what's interesting is that it's so the opposite of last year. Last year, we all knew, well, we didn't, we, we, we all knew that Parasite was the one. Obviously, we were crossing our fingers because, you know, the Academy will sometimes be the Academy. <laughs> but uh, we all knew that Parasite was the one, and there really isn't a one uh, this year. Yeah, we're seeing trends going some way, right? But there isn't one. You're not entirely sure about any of the ones that are uh, favored. I, I feel that this year reminds me of the 2000, I will say 2005 um, Academy Awards um, in which Brobeck Mountain um, was supposed to be that, the big winner, and it ended up being Crash. It, it reminds me a little bit of that in, in regards of the Academy itself. And in regards <laughs> of other awards, I feel very... I'm very glad like the BAFTA nominations have me very hyped and very excited because they went a different route this time and they were acknowledging British actors, British films, and, and also acknowledging films that went under the radar for so many, like mm -hmm. His House. And I was talking to Joel about this. And I think that it, it's one of those things that, that it's like a curveball, <laughs> like yeah. a curveball in the award season. And I like it. And, and it gives a little bit of a, a different layer because there are so many great films that at times are overlooked or they've, they've, they flew under the radar, specifically in this, in this year that, I, that I, I feel very happy and very excited, at least in that regard. And one sort of caveat of this, sort of unpredictable award season is how people are are just like very uh, eager to lose their minds on on social media and on Twitter that sometimes I just grab the popcorn and and just <laughs> let it flow um, so uh, Joel wouldn't know because he's Twitterless at the moment so yeah one of the <laughs> probably one of the best and worst decisions that I have made best because I am peace but worse because I don't know anything. So yeah. Anyways, I wanted to add about what Irving said about the BAFTAs. You know, it's not new that the BAFTAs always go with British actors and actresses and British people in general, but what is new is that they went more diverse. And what I said right. is that they have been criti criticized throughout the years that they nominate only white people and white and white and white. And finally, that this year they they mixed the thing. They they have a, a good balance of white uh, white folks and not white folks. So that's good. That's progress. I hopefully this will continue to happen without the 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 method that they use. They use this year to nominate uh, the acting races and the directors and picture race. I think they use um, a sort of a jury system mm -hmm. of twelve like people. Seven to so twelve. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something like that. So that's why maybe it was more diverse. But hopefully when the Academy votes, votes on fully next year, the nominations, then it will be this same wave 
of variety that we received. Um, I also want to add that this year has been so crazy because, you know, it's, it's not only that it's different than last year because last year at some point of the, of the, of the, of the award season, winners became predictable. It's just that the nominees also be, became predictable at some point. This year is not at, at like this at all. And I always like that the nominations are more fun to do than the winners and uh, predicting, I mean. Mm -hmm. And the supporting actress race, for example, is uh, is mm -hmm. a race that's very difficult to predict. Right. Uh, like even though Bakalova is probably the front runner right now, uh, I'm not sure if she's getting getting into the main five, which is huge because you know you you will think that someone who has won so many accolades and it she managed to get nominated in BAFTA, which is weird because they don't go for that kind of roles. Uh, you know she should get nominated but at the same time she might not so right. it can it can happen and and the lead actress race it has a front runner a clear front runner but still she can lose which is uh, who is um uh, carrie mulligan for promising young woman right. so anything can happen even the the right. fact that nomadland and chloe Shao are sweeping the respective categories uh Anything can happen from here to April. So yeah, Nomadland can lose and Chloe Shaw can lose to, I don't know, Adam Sorkin. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Absolutely. So, it, can, it can certainly happen, but it makes it a little bit more exciting. And, and even though Chloe Zhao has been winning uh, throughout this entire uh, season, specifically in the category of, of, of best director, and it is also exciting because it, it seems and it looks like she will be the second woman in, in history to win uh, the Best Director uh, Award. And I mm -hmm. think that that, that, is, that for me is exciting, whether mm -hmm. I think that is the best um, director or the best uh, film of the year, that might be different. But sure. I think that is a sign of, I, I don't want to say progress, but it's a sign of, of, of things falling to a, a different place than than what we thought probably like two or three years ago. I mean, the last time that a woman won, or the only time that a woman won was Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. This was in 2009. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 2009. You yeah. can't tell me and... that it's been 13 years since a, a, a woman directed a great film. I don't agree with that. But, you know, it is the reality and probably one of the other most exciting things in that director lineup is that it can be uh, it can be filled with two other women uh we have Absolutely. regina king and we have um emerald fennell emerald fennell probably has a higher chance than regina but you know two women in the lineup that's that's a very exciting that's the mm -hmm. first Absolutely. thing is going to happen and probably the most assured thing this this season and I'm gonna let you talk, Chris. Uh, is that <laughs> Boseman is is the one is the one who's going to win Best Actor? That's that's for sure. Probably. Yeah, it, it seems to be a consensus with Chadwick. So, um, before we go, I am going to say that I find funny most about this uh, award season how last year people were complaining this award season is too short, so they got a longer season this year. But now they're like, this award season is too long. It's like you can't make anybody happy. And just like that, you just summarize failed Twitter. <laughs> That's how it is. Come at me. 
come at me. <laughs> so before you all come at me, I'm just going to uh, cut short the show. This is the end of our show for uh, this episode. Keep watching those movies. Hope you enjoyed it. And we shall be with y'all next time here on For Film Sake.